To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, everyone. Here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal? Investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Inside the Matrix, they are everyone, and they are no one. We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors, they are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, Someone is going to have to fight them. Someone. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios, Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live every Monday. Monday? The fuck have I been? Monday, Monday, every Sunday for leftovers, and of course streaming live the standard podcast every Wednesday. I'm a little slow. Uh, don't worry, it's not a bad thing. Nothing bad has happened. It's basically just because uh, I went out and got some food last night. Oh my god, that's like an eclipse for me. He never spends his money. Cheap son of a bitch. The uh, no shout out to the North End of Boston once again. Uh, always entertaining, always a good time, always wonderful food, and always expensive as usual. But the fact is, is when you want cookies, and you want black and whites, and you want pistachio gelato, and you want uh, Sicilian pizza, and you want cafe a, a macchiato espresso up your sister's ass, 
uh, a la flambe, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. But it's totally worth it. It was totally a great ride there. Great time. Um, so I noticed that the line to modern pastries is now bigger than the line to Mike's pastries. I don't know what happened. I guess people started to realize that, in my opinion, modern pastries is... Well, okay, I'll just go... Okay, I'll ruffle some, ruffle some feathers in the pastry world. Uh, above and beyond... It's above and beyond where Mike's Pastries is. It really is. It's just a to me. I like it better. I love the options. I love how they're. I don't know if Mike's is cash only. Modern's is cash only. I've talked about them before in the podcast, but uh, Modern's is just awesome. I came home that night with a, uh, a black and white per normal. So always a black and white. They're cheap and they're delish. Um, pistachio cookies, which are super underrated and are uh, oh, absolutely wonderful. And then, uh, what else did I live? Oh, one more thing. Oh, they had a sugar, a butter cookie actually, which wasn't bad. It doesn't hit you at first, the flavor of a butter cookie, especially since it's crunchy. So I bought a, cr I had a, I got a crunchy hard butter cookie, which actually was quite good. And then I ended up with a chocolate chip cookie, which was way better than expected. Uh, that's, I mean, I really do enjoy a, uh, when you there's something wonderful, something joyful about a chocolate chip cookie when it's just done right. So, I mean, that, first of all, so shout out to Modern Pastry. Ended up going to Quattro. Quattro is a, a little restaurant basically right across the street. And uh, pretty packed that night, but we were able to get right in and just stop right in for a quick pie and a margarita. So shout out to them and, uh, and uh, every other place I hit in Boston. I'll be back for Sal's uh, soon enough. Let me go ahead and ch just check. I've been having some internet issues here. Hold on a second. And there we go. Much better. Okay. Any, anywho. Anywho. Okay. So that's done. All right. Uh, Sunday leftovers. I did talk about NASA's budget. Man, you want to get into that real quick? Uh, dig Q&A. I got some really good dig, uh, dig Q&A and an article that attaches to one of the questions regarding uh, this week's dig Q&A. And uh, then, we'll, but I also, here's the thing. I, I got this, you guys have gotten these before. They, uh, they're always joyful to read. We more, mostly just throw them away. You know, we just mostly throw them in our junk folder. But I did want to take a quick minute to actually read one of these. I find them, their, their attention to, to detail and emotion and uh, trying to, I mean, really do a, a good job of winning you over. So here's the, here's what I got. My dearest one, thank you for your effort. This is from Christina Walter. Thank you for your effort. How are you, my good friend? Hope all is well with you and your entire family. I hope you still remember me. I am Mrs. Christina Walter. I have contacted you before when I needed your assistance in retrieving my inheritance from the bank. It is, with, it is a great joy to inform you that God has sent a helper from Nepal who helped me to retrieve this fund. I thank you for your great effort to our unfinished project due to one reason or another best known to you. Please, I want you to use this opportunity to apologize you for not responding earlier to your previous mail, which you sent me, due to my health condition and also making several praying consultations concerning on this issue. Please, due to your past effort, I'm reading this exactly how it is written, uh, due to your past effort, sincerity, courage, and trustworthiness you showed me during the course of the project, I have successfully transferred the fund out of my bank to my new partner's account in Nepal, who is capable of assisting me in this great venture. 
Please, due to your past effort, sincerity, courage, and trustworthiness you showed during the course of the project, I want to compensate you and show my gratitude to you with the sum of $500,000 I have left a certified international UBA Visa MasterCard for you worth of $500,000 cash able at any automatic teller machine in your country. Please kindly contact ATM department L'Afrique de l'Ouest Côte d'Ivoire. Please contact the ATM department with below contact and tell him address where to send MasterCard to you. Email peter.c at financier.com. Director, Peter C. Telephone number 225-462-14298. United Bank of Africa, Remnants Department Unites. Please do let me know immediately you receive it so that we can share the joy at the time. At present, we are very busy here because of the investment projects we and the new partner are having at hand. Finally, I remember that I have instructed him on behalf to send the Visa MasterCard to you, so feel free to get in touch with UBA Bank. He will send the Visa MasterCard to you without any delay. Type MasterCard uh four oh six one eight three zero seven five three six two four five zero nine amount five hundred thousand dollars color red tell the director to send you the total five hundred thousand dollars which i have kept your compensation for using your personal data to secure the pro the secure the necessary approvals fund and your attempts to assist me on the project therefore you should send him your telephone number inclusive of your current information mailing address where you want him to send the atm mastercard to you I am rewarding you with a token because you deserve it for your past assistance, which I cannot forget. Please contact the director immediately to avoid your certificate international ATM MasterCard not to expire. Thanks and God bless Mrs. Christina Water. Bitch, I don't know who the fuck you are. This is insane. First of all, your grammar is garbage. Second of all, you repeated yourself about 46,000 fucking times. These are hilarious when you actually read them out loud. 500 grand? Is that all my effort is worth to you? A measly 500 grand? Okay, that's what like uh that's like what Steve that's what that's what Chris Evans got barely for the first Captain America movie. And you're going to pay me a measly 500 grand for all the work I've ever done for you? And I got to go all the way to the Bank of Africa? You can't send it like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, my credit union. No, I got to go to La Chic, La Africa day douchebag and what if i don't want the the debit card in red what if i want it in blue or black what if i don't want it in plastic what if i want it in like titanium so i can pretend it's like an american express black card so i can look cool in front of all the all the maserati owners down on hanover street what if i want to customize it what if i want like little doggos and puppers on my on my uh my scammy ass fucking credit card christina walter if that's your real name if that's your real gender missus Miss, so uh, if you want this money, because I clearly don't, you can email Miss Chris, Mrs. Christina Walter at Mrs. Christina Walter, nineteen fifty eight at gmail dot com. So if you want this five hundred thousand dollars, you're more than welcome to have it. I am perfectly fine here with my cheap German coffee, my one hundred and twelve year old laptop, and uh, my uh, blue pen because for some reason I can't find my black pen. And it find it quite hard to read my blue ink. I blew my ink. So, anyways, there's enough of that. I'm I'm sorry I can't collect on the 500 grand, but if you want, uh, just go ahead and email me, and I'll send you all the contact information. And delete.
and delete that one too. All right. Uh, thank you to everybody who submitted posing music this weekend. Uh, I hope your mixes are satisfactory. So I did briefly mention the last two podcasts that the NASA has got a 20, 25 billion with a B production budget. And I've always stated like maybe how if we were to get the fuck out of here, how would we get the fuck out of here? Well, I have a couple stages that we can do. Now, first of all, we we do want to if we're if, if in theory we do want to get out of here and Elon pot smoking Musk wants to get us to Mars, good for him first of all. Then we got to come up with a set of rules. We got to come we got to I'll I'll dumb this down so everybody can truly understand what we're up against. Now, okay, the closest uh places to us for or the the other place let's just rule two places out. First of all, Mercury and Venus. V- Ver- Mercury is so close to the sun that it's basically a potato chip shape like a planet. It's too hot. We can't move there. I'm sorry. There's no room. It's a studio apartment that's on fire. Venus is still too close. It creates too much greenhouse gases, greenhouse gases, and it's around 800 degrees Fahrenheit. So, I mean, it would make a great pizza oven, but besides that, it's completely useless. Now, the plan was to go to Mars, 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 which is also a delicious candy bar for those of you who didn't know. Um, the idea of going to Mars, well, we got to start we got to start way sooner than that. Here's our big issue. It's space junk. There's screws and debris and engine components and leftover satellites. Thousands upon thousands of particles. As tiny as a screw, which is as dangerous as a truck. Traveling around the planet at 17,000 miles per second. And we're not cleaning it up. We're not cleaning it up at all. This is a major problem. In order for us to go full-scale uh, invasion <laughs> invasion of moon, this is our turf, invasion of the moon and invasion of uh, Mars to, habita- you know, to, to get on there and start moving forward and getting out of this planet or at least you know, balancing things out. Stay on topic there, Jay. All right, I'll stay on topic. The, we have to clean up the space junk. We have to do that first. Because with all that shit coming around, if you have a if you have a little Phillips head screw uh, traveling around at seventeen thousand miles, it punctures like a bullet. It'll go right through you, and if it'll go right through you, it'll have no problem going through a satellite, a space shuttle, um, and anything else made out of metal. Anything else that comes off this planet, anything that comes off this planet, can be penetrated. Ooh, can be penetrated by a piece of space debris. It'll destroy satellites. It'll destroy anything. We have to monitor them. And in the way to monitor them, if we, have, I mean, you have administrators, you have additional security personnel, they got to monitor this shit. And that's expensive. If we're going to be spending, should we be spending money having people monitor this stuff? Or we should be spending money trying to get rid of this shit and harness it and just get it out of the way? Oh, by the way, speaking of space debris, there's also a convertible floating around with a space dude in it. So there's that. That's floating around at 17 miles an hour, 17,000 miles per hour. So we got to figure out how the fuck are we going to get off this planet properly without having to worry about that issue? Well, that's the first that's the first challenge. Get rid of that stuff. Okay, let's do that. All right, what's next? Well, then we got to build supply stations. Larger versions of the International Space Station. I know China's working on one, Russia used to have one. But we need larger ones. We need ones that can support fuel um fuel that are fuel depots. Uh, basically, you know, I, I wouldn't mind like a space station that had like an In-N-Out burger, you know, or like a Hardee's or like an Applebee's. That'd be kind of nice. 
Space Applebee's. That would be pretty sweet. So we would need to specifically have a uh, the fueling supply stations and additional stuff needed once we got out of uh, once we got out of the Earth's atmosphere and we were in space and floating around in orbit. We dock up. We get what we need that would help us out there. Then we head straight for the moon. Wouldn't take us long to get to the moon. Coffee deep. Once we get to the moon, that's our next task. We need to colonize the moon before we head over to Mars. It's going to make things a lot easier. You know what I mean? Okay, on the moon, we're going to need a mining colony. We're going to need a moon base. Obviously, if you're going to be on the moon, you need a moon base. Ah. So we get the moon base. You'll need a spaceport so all our cool-looking space jets can take off from. We're going to have, have some type of oxygen network, a flowing network that supports uh, oxygen to anywhere in the base. Also, we're going to need, in order for that to happen, we're going to need a greenhouse. So we're going to need a massive greenhouse with solar panels and water transferring and everything like that that can be built underground. We do that, then we can supply the whole area with the proper, uh, I mean, greenhouse. We got food. We got oxygen. We have an environment. We do that, we'll be, good, we'll be in good shape. Also, another thing, if we can do that, we have a greenhouse, then we're able to, I think... If you have a greenhouse, you're able to have water. You can get water. We'll need water. In any case, you're going to need water. If you're going to have a moon base, then you got to have water. You know what I'm saying? So we got to have water. We'll have that, and then we'll have the oxygen. We get all that in a spaceport. Then we can really have supplies and fuel needed to get to, the moon, to, get to Mars at this point. Mars is going to take way longer, though. There, we're going to need more things on top of just having a moon base with some cool jets and a fucking greenhouse for your basil. From there, we're going to need an R&D team for science because there's a lot of radiation on the moon, on the, excuse me, on Mars. There's a lot of other unknowns being there. They got more gravity than the moon does, which is going to make it easier for us to move around and do deadlifts and squats and stuff. So we're gonna have, it's going to be a healthier time in that regard. And you're going to need to, if you're going to be in space for a really long time, your muscle and your bone is going to degenerate from the lack of gravity, unless we are in a spaceship that has gravity support set up. But if we're deep, we don't, we're just going to be floating around, bouncing off all the walls until we get to moon, until we get to Mars, excuse me. Once we get there, then we can focus on the green, you know, the science station, the research and development, little, you know, warthog buggies and all that jazz we get there we could set up shop for all that stuff we're gonna need a mining colony because mars is much bigger than the moon so we'll have a mining colony for precious minerals precious resources we'll also need a greenhouse too because mars doesn't have the atmosphere that we want just yet let me change the settings on this really quick so there's that so we'll need a mining colony because I'm sh pretty sure that Mars has some precious resources. And I think they also have ice caps. So water will be a thing that we'll be able to, to take advantage of. We have to also scan the water to make sure there's no stuff that can come back and kill us. We'll also need, besides the mining colony, the science section with the R&D, the greenhouse, which we will also, of course, need a giant spaceport. From there, we can decide what we're going to do next. Are we going to design the next cool... And now if we have a if we have a if we have a spaceport on Mars, we will need a space station that's orbiting around Mars as well. So we'll have to treat Mars a lot like we treat Earth. We'll have our we'll have our space station, we'll have a we'll have a uh an orbital station. And then we'll also and we'll do the same thing on Mars. We'll have an orbital sta orbital station there. 
We got $25 billion, Might as well. From there, I don't know where to go. We can't go, like I said, we can't go to Mercury. We can't go to Venus. We can't go to Jupiter because the gravity would crush us. They have a giant hurricane, which is constant, just goes around. You can look at it. Go look at Google Images of Jupiter. It's impossible. You can't live there. It's a cost. It's a co- constant hurricane. Saturn, same thing. We can't live there. They also has giant rocks and shit rotating around its ring, so it's impossible to land there. And then from there, you've got like, uh, you've got Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, which are all co- which is all ice, too far away to be habitable and you know quite you know honestly comfortable. So there's no point in going there. Where do we go after that? Where do we go after that? Everybody talks about the nearest habitable planet being Proxima Centauri. Proxima Centauri is a wasteland, has massive wind issues. It's like giant wind gusts that would that would that would kill us. It's not a comfortable environment. So I don't know if it's one worth aiming for. But at that point, Proxima Centauri is light years away. So we would have to be able to bend space and time just to get there. So I just wanted to bring up the fact that if we were going to invest $25 billion, where would you want to go with it? And I think personally, if we start with Mars and we start with the moon, I think that by the time we accomplish that, we should be in a better shape as far as if we were able to accelerate to a speed that would get us to a near habitable planet. By then, I mean, we are accelerating very fast in technology in some regards. But as far as like processors... Right now, we're at a point where pro- actual, like, if you go and buy, like, a computer with a processor in it, the uh, communication boards, the little, you know, little lines on the circuit board, they're getting so small. We're down to, like, five to seven nanometers, which is so tiny, we can't really go any farther than that unless we switch over to quantum computing or other form of communication. But it can't, they can't get that much faster than that. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe we can do perfectly fine with the uh, with the speed of the computers that we have right now. As long as the speed and the power of the computers that we have right now are allocated to do one simple task and doing it really, really well, then we could have a screamer on our hands. We could have the Starship Enterprise. That'd be pretty sweet. I'd love to see the Starship Enterprise. I think eventually we'll probably make something like that. So that was my thoughts on you know the Sunday leftovers regarding Mars and going there. Uh, it is at, where we're at, 20 minutes. Let's go ahead and just get right to the Q&A. Sunday Leftovers, in case you guys don't know, you're new to the program. Sunday Leftovers generally last between 30 and 40 minutes. Uh, the Wednesday podcast lasts between 50 and an hour and 20, depending upon the, if there's a guest or whatnot. If there is a guest on Sunday Leftovers, then we just treat it like a regular podcast with a guest. But these are generally 30 minutes, 40 minutes, in and out, just getting uh, rid of... That's why I call it Sunday Leftovers. It's just the shit that was left over. Well, that's some shit. Don't talk so negatively. It's just stuff that's left over from last week that I didn't get a chance to get to because I was probably randomly blabbing about something else that was completely stupid. Like that stupid rant I went on about avocado toast. Although I stand true to that that rant for sure. Anyways, uh, if you let's go ahead and get to the Q&A. Let's jump on the first one. This one is not really, it's not a jokey joke one. I'm just going to get right to it. It's an honest question because I deal with nonprofits and this is a legitimate question. So here's the first dig Q&A for today. How can I tell job applicants that the leadership positions they're applying for are actually unpaid? I work for a small nonprofit on our website. We advertise leadership positions, but those positions are all volunteer, as are all of our positions. 
Lately, I've been receiving resumes from people who seem to be looking for paid work, despite that there is no indication of salary or employment on the website. Is there a good way to show this on our site and a good way to let people know that it's volunteering when they contact us? Just say that it mean just say straight out this is no pay. This is a volu- this is volunteer. Okay, I get it. There's a lot of non- I get that there's a lot of nonprofits out there that you can get paid a shitload of money to work for, but I also know nonprofits where you don't get any money. This is not, it's not, you're not in it for the cash. Okay? You maybe can promote yourself a little bit, but you're there to actually you're at, you're there to help. You're there to volunteer, you're there to do good simply because you just want to do good. So, I think that you should just be completely honest about it. Tell them your mission, tell them that you can't afford to pay them because then it would take away from the fact that if you pay them, then everything else that comes with it. So, and you want to maintain that you're a true 501c uh, nonprofit? Yeah, don't pay them. There are plenty of good people out there that just want to do good to do good. They don't necessarily need uh, to be paid. Just the idea of feeling good about it or helping out or just trying to do whatever is more than enough. So, just be honest. As long as you're honest, you don't lie about it, you don't go around away. Uh, you'll be fine. Don't make false promises. Just don't. Just say you can do everything you can to make sure they get fulfilled. You're just not going to fulfill their pocketbook. Mm. Number two. Who does number two work for? Let's go to the second Q&A. This one I like. Do I have a right to display photos of my former colleagues in my work cubicle? I work for a small startup that seems it's to... I'm going to start that again. Duh, stupid. I work for a small startup that seems three, two, one. I work for a small startup that's seen its share of turmoil. There we go. Nice job. Most could be attributed to our chief executive, and it's largely manifested in the form of turnover. Uh-oh. I love Apple turnovers. Oh, my God. They're so delicious. Jesus Christ. A lot of people who I enjoyed working with and consider friends no longer work with me. I put a picture of three of them, one who was fired, two who left on my cubicle wall rebel my supervisor said some people have expressed concern about the picture because it gives the impression that i'm resistant to the quote positive strides the company's culture has made culture we'll get back to that has made in the past few months he asked if i wouldn't mind taking it down given that he has only been with the company two and a half months i have concluded that the people he referred to is the ceo I have agreed to take it down because I like my supervisor, but the notion that I should expected to take down a completely in a completely appropriate inoffensive picture of my friends because the CEO doesn't feel like feels like doesn't like it feels like an abuse of power. Huh? Huh? Is this a valid concern to raise with raise with HR? Just take the pictures down, okay? Let's face it. Yeah, you may like your job, it may start up, but the fact is is like no, who cares? They the culture Culture, corporate culture is bullshit. When they talk about culture, that's not culture. That's not culture. That's a work environment. And the fact that you are working in a cubicle, cubicles are not healthy work environments. They are depressing. They are one of the reasons that people take antidepressants. They are socially destructive. They, um, you want to complain about walls and building walls. The cubicle is the worst wall ever invented. It is. It is just a horrible, horrible little thing. It makes eavesdropping, first of all. Uh, well, okay, first of all, I don't like open desk uh, work environments, but I don't like cubicles either. Matter of fact, I just don't, I mean, I wouldn't, working in an office sucks altogether. You don't want to do it. If you can get out of working in an office and working from home, you're much better off. 
I I think so, anyways. Because you, I mean, you build yourself an office. You go out of your way to have something that is truly your own, not just putting pictures up in a fucking cubicle. That's so stupid. And then you, and then this CEO, this turd in charge, is uh, doesn't like the person, so wants you to take it down. You can raise it with HR, but then you're all you're gonna do is make yourself the nail, and this person's gonna become the hammer, much more so. So, I mean. Just take the picture down because it doesn't do you any. It's not an expression of free speech. You're not doing yourself any good by being there, first of all. You're not doing yourself any good by challenging the seat, the new CEO, regardless of whether or not they were there two and a half months. You're not doing yourself any good by putting up pictures to begin with. It's not your cubicle. You sit there, you work there, but it isn't yours. You occupy it for a certain point in time throughout the day, and then it's done. You can be kicked to the curb at any moment. The culture, the transparency is bullshit. And when a supervisor says some people, you probably already know who those people are. Uh, the And then giving the impression, and if you're resistant to positive strides, all corporate stuff is positive strides. It's all about lining. For the most part, it's all about lining that the supervisor or the manager or the director's pocket so that they can get their bonus. They don't care about ground floor employees. It's all bullshit. So all these words about some people, positive strides, culture, it's all bullshit. You won't win at it. It's a losing battle. And if you are going to work for a corporate company, I absolutely support working at home however you can. There's an article attached to this. I want to just run through a few key plot points on it. This is from ARS Technica. Kate Cox, shout out to Kate Cox, who uh, wrote the article. Uh, dozens of studies find remote, remote workers happy and productive. So why not let them be? So that's her opening question. Uh, we finally live in the future. Okay, it's her, uh, I hate the opening stupid remarks. Let's jump to it. Tens of millions of jobs at all points of income and skill spectrum are, of course, not suited to remote work. I get it. Doctors, dentists, healthcare workers, a lot of healthcare workers. But there's also a lot of healthcare workers. Uh, they'll always need to be hands-on or at least available or, yeah, portable. Teachers, they need to be in schools. Some teachers, there are one, there are online courses you can take. Construction workers, yeah, they kind of need to be hands-on. All right, I get what you're saying, lady. Judges need to be in court. Hospitality employees need to be in hotels. Yeah, I get it. Let's get to the point. Okay, roughly a quarter of U.S., roughly a quarter of, of us are already doing at least some work remotely. About 24% of workers employed full-time did some or all of their work at home. We're not just talking like 30, 40, 50 grand a year remote workers. We're talking like 100 to 150 to 200 grand remote working from home. So it's achievable at any price point, and it should be supported and applauded at any price point. All right. The Okay, so 24% of U.S. workers did some or all. Okay, that's one thing. Even though some workplaces became increasingly distributed around the nation and the world, though others are reversing course and doubling down on the corporate campus. Hate the corporate campus. So here we are at ARS, look toward the future. We find ourselves wondering employers and employees like benefit benefit from getting fo some folks out of the cubicle. So what are so many businesses and managers afraid of? Well, first of all, if you are working from home, then you can work in a remote location. If you work in a remote location, you may not be in a city. Say it's a, it's a place that's based in a city. You're going to get all different. Like if you're hiring from people who are local, then you're only going to get that that way of thinking. Obviously, there are people the way people who live in a city think in the way of the city. People who live in the country think in the way of the country. So you're getting a similar mindset by not hiring remote workers. 
So by doing so, you're changing the dynamic of the, quote, culture that's in the office if you're hiring someone from, say, rural Kansas as opposed to, like, in midtown San Francisco. You're getting a different mindset. You're getting different values, different traditions. And that maybe scares people because it, it can form possible conflict. And, you know, God knows we know the, these fucking corporate giants don't want conflict. They want uniformity. They want compliance. They don't want you to really stand out unless it's in the identity of the company. So we're working, work, remote working allows for people who do live outside the, uh, outside, outside the actual work environment to contribute. Although I do support it, though, and especially if you have a different value system, I'm totally okay with it. But I, that it does support that, and I don't, I don't know if that is maybe one of the reasons why these corporate campuses don't allow for people working from home. I don't know how Google does it. I don't know how, how Amazon does it. I'd like to know more based on that. And then the surprisingly ancient argument regarding this. The idea of remote work, as we currently imagine it, goes back about 50 years. The fight over whether employees should be allowed to do remote work whether they can, in fact, be trusted with it goes back almost as long. The first documented use of the word telecommute showed up in 1974 when The Economist wrote, as there were no logical reason why the cost of telecommunications should vary with distance. Quite a lot of people by the 1980s will telecommunicate daily to their London offices while living in the Pacific Island if they want to. Similarly, the futurist writer Alan Toffler uh, uncredited, okay, blah, 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 described the concept perfectly in the 1980 book The Third Wave. When we suddenly make available technologies that can place a low-cost workstation in any home, providing it with a smart typewriter, perhaps along with a facsimile machine or a computer console and teleconferencing equipment, the possibilities from home are radically extended. At this point, yeah, you should be able to establish, if you can prove that you can run a 90% uh, uh, accurate, 90% at-the-ready work environment, then yeah, you should be allowed to work from home. And if you think that these corporate offices are, are not susceptible to power outages and other issues, I got news for you. It's far more dangerous to be working in an office now than it is to be working from home. Work from home doesn't, there's no office shootings in a, in a, at a work from home. There's, and there, you think there's outages as, as far as working from home? You disconnect from the office, you can't get hold of anybody via the internet? Guess what? Offices go down all the time. Their programs crash all the time. And bandwidth has gotten plenty fast to so the fact that you can run multiple programs that are server-based with no problems whatsoever and everything streamlines just fine. And if you're the only one on the, the network doing using the, your own bandwidth, then it's not going to be as ta uh, taxing. On the And plus, if you have to buy, if you have a bunch of people going to that campus, you need to Lease out that campus, lease out that building, and all the information and the security that goes along with it. It's more efficient to have people work from home. It really is. I and I support it for the most for the most part. Yeah, I absolutely support it. I do get that people don't want to come into the office so they can have that that togetherness feel, that social environment. But I'm not a fan of the social environment, so I would be perfectly. I, I if you were to work from home. And just not have to deal with that social environment that's there, which is not healthy for you. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. So, remote from working remotely from home or out of any office, as long as you're getting your job done, I support you in doing it. Now, final. Okay, we're at 33 minutes. Let me do one more, and then we're done for today. Boyfriend gets the leftovers. This is okay. 
Do I have to be grateful when my boyfriend gives me old stuff I don't want as birthday and holiday gifts? My boyfriend has made a habit out of using birthdays and holidays as an opportunity to upgrade his lifestyle under the guise of generous gift giving. He recently gifted me his used laptop, which he did spend money on, getting it cleaned up for Christmas. Okay. After buying himself the latest upgraded laptop. My last birthday, he gave me his used scuba gear and took that opportunity to upgrade his his own set. The thing is, I'm not a big diver, and my current laptop is perfectly adequate and better suited my needs. However, he gets upset if I politely decline. So these presents, so these presents, (laughs) are really just taking up value closeted space. Am I ungrateful, or am I just just, or am I justified in feeling a bit stuck in an ungrateful recipient position? I'm also not being able to figure out why exactly this irks me and seems disingenuous to fake enthusiasm as I'm walking over gifts to the closet. Yeah, he's in the wrong in this one. It's one thing to give you a, a used computer. For example, used computers are perfectly great. You could do a lot with them. You can set them up in such a way that they have really some value. You can have a Netflix computer. You can have a, a work computer. You can have an internet computer. Great. But... This is my yawning. He, um... He's giving it to you for Christmas? No, that's unacceptable. As a boyfriend, that's a that's a flat out no. You don't do that as a boyfriend. You don't give somebody used equipment unless it's like a fucking uh, Chevy Corvette that's pre, that's like pre-owned. Okay, that's that's one thing. Hey, honey, I bought you a a, a, a used Honda Accord for your birthday because you wanted a commuter car, so I got you one. Okay, fine. The idea that he's giving this to you for Christmas? No, used used stuff should be out of just the ge- the generosity of, of your own heart. Your boyfriend and your sh- boyfriend should not be getting upset because he can't get rid of his leftover shit. So he's, uh, as far as being in the wrong, yeah, he's completely in the wrong. He shouldn't be doing it. And I um, I don't know, as far as his relationship, I don't know what, uh, what else this taxes, what other issues this runs along with, but he shouldn't be giving you uh, anything that's used that used to belong to him for a Christmas gift and then buying his own new shit because that just gets him out of... All he's doing is trying to get out of spend money on you for the holidays So and, and, and trying to justify used equipment. Where, I mean, go and be a gentleman and buy something or build something or make something that is of some significant value instead of just giving away all your leftover old shit. You should just be giving that away to them out of the kindness of your heart because you know that you could use them. Not this... I mean... Christmas used laptop not buying it bro not buying it so you your boyfriend here is in the wrong and what was stated self-centered and self-serving yeah this person only wants to serve themselves and the fact that they would give away a perfectly good used laptop tells me this person is uh not resourceful but very wasteful and very self-centered doesn't give a damn about anybody else but himself so uh yeah I guess uh start uh Get your uh, Tinder resume updated because it looks like you're going to be single real soon. So that is it. We are at 37 minutes. We are done for the day. That was a good little in and out. I guess it was good. You be the judge. Um, and you want to go ahead and support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. If you want to support the platform but you don't have any cash, which is perfectly understandable, you can go ahead and open up the cash app or you can use the Robinhood app. Both are on my contact page at positivesarcasm.com. Click on the contact page and there are two banners on the left-hand side. One is called the Robinhood app. Download the Robinhood app, attach your checking account. You'll get $5. You'll get a free stock 
which you can sell or uh, upgrade or trade, and I will get a free stock as well. So that's one way for this, you guys to support this website. I love the Robinhood app. I love the ease of, ease of use for it, and I hope you could too. So go ahead and check that out. Support the podcast. If you want to look for posing music, hit me up at po- uh, sarcasm.com uh, or just type in the subject posing music. Uh, so there's that. You can check out the movie review section. You can check out the YouTube channels. Follow me on my YouTube channels, Positive Sarcasm and Positive Sarcasm Podcast. But until then, we are done for the day. You can find the podcast itself. Subscribe to it. Just hit go go to your podcast thing and type it in. You can stream it directly from PositiveSarcasm.com. But until then, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, and CastBox and every other platform that accepts podcasts. Then that's it. I will talk to you all in a few days for the Standard Wednesday podcast. And then uh, I think we'll have Johnny Monotone back in the studio to discuss some random shit. I'll probably yell out for about 45 minutes, which is perfectly fine. Until then, I will talk to you all in a few days. Thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Open door so I'll walk inside. Close my eyes, find my place to hide. Shake as I take it in Let the show
support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.